Welcome to the Pathlight Ministries podcast. We're glad you've chosen to study God's Word with us. I'm Pastor Chip Anthony, and here's today's message. This morning, I need to share with you a story, and it, it goes like this. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. When you give him the milk, he'll ask for a straw. When he's finished, he'll ask you for a napkin. Then he'll want to look in the mirror to make sure he doesn't have a milk mustache. When he looks in the mirror, he might notice his hair needs a trim. So he'll probably ask for a pair of nail scissors. And when he's finished giving himself a trim, he'll want a broom to sweep it up. He'll start sweeping. He, he might get carried away and sweep every room in the house. He may even end up washing the floors as well. And when he's done, he'll probably want to take a nap. You'll have to fix him up a, a little box with a blanket and a pillow. He'll crawl in, make himself comfortable, and fluff the pillow a few times. He'll probably ask you to read him a story. So you'll read him from one of your books, and he'll ask to see the pictures. When he looks at the pictures, he'll get so excited, he'll want to draw one of his own. He'll ask for paper and crayons. He'll draw a picture, and when the picture is finished, he'll want to sign his name with a pen. Then he'll want to hang his picture on your refrigerator, which means he'll need scotch tape. He'll hang up his drawing and stand back to look at it. Looking at the refrigerator will remind him that he's thirsty, so he'll ask for a glass of milk. And chances are, if he asks for a glass of milk, he's going to want a cookie to go with it. This morning, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We've, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit uh, most of the summer. This morning, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, be, that is kindness. And we've said that the fruit of the Spirit are not these you know, characteristics that we add to ourselves, but these fruit are, are connected to the character of God. That's okay, you can come on in. Okay. Uh, are connected to the character of God, and that as the Spirit of God dwells in us, these are the natural outpouring of His Spirit living and acting inside of us. And we've talked about love, joy, peace. In fact, let's, yeah, here we go. Um, this is our list, and y'all read this with me, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. All right? And so we've talked about love and joy and peace. Last week we talked about patience. And we said that to be patient, sometimes we get a misunderstanding of it. We think that being patient is just waiting. All right? We say that we're just waiting. And that's not what we said patience is. In fact, as the Bible defines what patience is, it's, it's to suffer for a long time, to be long-suffering. And we said, do y'all, does anybody remember the word for patience that we talked about last week? It's that ugly word, macrothumia. A couple of you do. A macrothumia, this ugly word that means to suffer for a long time. And that's what it means to be patient. It means to watch, to see what is going on, and to be disturbed or be to be moved to have passion or compassion for the things that you see. It's not just sitting, waiting, wishing, hoping, right? It's not that. It's it's actually being involved and being active in, in the process of, of suffering for some. And we said that last week I gave you a challenge. Here comes the moment of truth. Alright, last week the challenge was for you to fast for twenty four hours, right? To have a to do a twenty four hour fast. So here's the question. How many of you fasted for 24 hours this week? All right. All right. That's good. That's good. A couple, nobody really wanted to be really too proud about it. There's like, okay, just little, little hands raised. But uh, would any, any of you like to share your experience of fasting this week? 
You were hungry? <laughs> okay, that's about it. Um, yeah, I, Michael and I, we fasted on from Monday night till Tuesday night. And on Tuesday, we did yard work all day, which maybe wasn't the best day to have not eaten any food. But Caleb had it way worse because he decided to fast from Tuesday night till Wednesday night. And we do staff meetings on Wednesday. And, and this week, I had my kids with me. And so I decided that we would do staff meeting at Burger King so they could play on the playground. And so Caleb sat there not eating inside of Burger King for like three hours. It was epic. It really was wonderful. To make matters worse, Caleb worked at Burger King for, what, two years? Two years. For two years. And so at each phase of their preparation for lunch, he smelled it. Like, it, it was amazing. Like, he was like a, the Wolverine or something, because he'd be like, he'd be like, they're starting to cook the fries. And, and like five minutes later, we'd be like, oh, yeah, I do smell French fries. And then he'd be like... That's the onion rings. It was, it was awesome and horrible for him, but awesome for us because we were already done. But here's the thing. Let me say this. If I would encourage you this week, if you didn't fast last week, or even if you did fast last week, if there's something that's really on your heart to pray about, if there's something that you really want to see God move in your life, give it a 24-hour fast. Eat dinner one day, and then don't eat dinner. Don't eat again until dinner the next day. Give it 24 hours and pray about it. It's hard to explain what that experience is like except to say this, that it focuses what's really on your heart. After, after 22 hours of not eating, of being really, really hungry and committing yourself that every time you feel a pain of hunger, you will feel the pain that God feels for a lost and dying world, that you will, that you will try to get God to, to see how serious you are about the things that you're praying for, it, it brings into intense focus what really matters most to your heart. So if you didn't fast last week, go ahead and fast this week. Uh, not the whole week, just 24 hours, and not if your doctor won't let you. All right, so, uh, but this week we're going to talk, we're talking about uh, not patience, but kindness. And we started this morning by telling this story about the mouse and his cookie because it expresses a couple of things about kindness. Now, I think the, the moral of the story, I think like the author's theme in writing, give, you give a mouse a cookie, is just to express that uh, an American idiom, in for a dime, in for a dollar, that if you start something, you're going to have to see it through to completion, and that if you give a mouse a cookie, that it's going to start this sort of chain reaction. But I think it expresses something even more profound than that. Because in the story, he gives a mouse a cookie, and then he gives him something else, and then something else, and something else. But eventually, the tables sort of turn a little bit, and the mouse ends up cleaning this or you or this guy's whole house. He ends up sweeping every room and mopping the floors, right? And that's the thing about kindness, is that kindness is a wheel. It's a cycle. And kindness begets kindness. That if you're kind to someone, that they're going to be kind to someone, maybe back to you, maybe kind to someone else. It's a wheel. It's a cycle. And, and it's, it's a really a beautiful thing. My, my mom yesterday uh, posted something on Facebook. I saw a few of you comment on it. My mom, did you have all of the kids with you yesterday morning? Oh, by yourself. Okay. My mom was eating breakfast yesterday at Cracker Barrel and had a conversation with the woman. And as she got up to leave Cracker Barrel, uh, found out that the woman that she had been talking to had paid for her breakfast. Right? And she was, she was moved by that. And she, she went on Facebook and told the story of the kindness that she had received. And, and she went through the rest of the day, you know, wanting to show kindness to other people. And that's, that's how it works. Because kindness is a cycle. This morning we're going to look at what this kindness that flows out of the Spirit of God, what that looks like when it's lived out in the life of a Christian. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, 
starting at verse 25. Verse 25 starts this way. It says, therefore, and let me, anytime you see a therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. So let me tell you what's happened just before this. Paul has been describing what the life of a believer should be like. He's describing, he's saying, you, you have a new life. Right, Your old life has passed away and you've got a brand new life. Your existence has been changed forever because of the commitment that you've made to Jesus Christ. Because of the work that Jesus is doing in you, your life is different. And so he describes that in the first, uh, first few verses of this section. But then in verse 25, he sort of gives a, a picture of what that kindness of that living out a Christian life looks like. Verse 25, he says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And I want to take this sort of unpack it uh, verse by verse as we go. So having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth to his neighbor. Saying, you don't lie anymore. You don't lie anymore. You don't make stuff up anymore. You just tell the truth. You owe it to one another to be honest with each other. He goes on and he says in verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And that's, that's, kind of, that's what we want for ourselves. We've talked about this before, that you can't help but sometimes get angry, right? Or as, as most men put it, we, do, we, we get frustrated, right? You can't help sometimes but to get frustrated. And it's okay to get frustrated. Just don't sin in your anger. Don't sin in your frustration. If you have a problem with someone... Deal with it right then. Don't let something that maybe sometimes happened on accident or maybe somebody said something and they didn't. In fact, yesterday Haley said something that really made me angry. And I was, I was, I was really I was ready to let it go because I'm just that generous. right? I was just going to let it go. And she realized without me saying anything, she realized that she had upset me. And she said, hey, listen, I'm sorry about what I just said. That wasn't very nice. And I was like... It's okay. Right? That was, it was awesome, right? And it, first time that ever happened. But um, it, was, it was great, right? Because that's how anger is supposed to work with, as a Christian. That you get angry, but you don't, you don't let that anger cause you to sin. You don't let that anger cause a, a disruption in your relationship with your brothers and sisters. You don't let that anger cause a disruption with your relationship with God. So be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Deal with it quickly. Then verse 28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And I love that Paul is not writing this just to the world in general. He's not writing this just for anybody. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. And he recognizes that within this church, there are thieves. There are people who would gain things dishonestly. Now, I'm not saying necessarily this church, but the church that he's writing to, certainly, because he wrote this to them. He knew. And, and he says, you know, there are going to be people who would steal. And he says, don't do that anymore. Don't steal. Instead, produce honest work of your hands. And something that I never really thought about until studying this verse this week. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The problem, part of the problem with, with stealing is that you can't be generous with the things that you steal. Right? You can't be generous with the things that you steal because you can't be honest about where you got them. Right? It, it be, anything that you gain through stealing is, has to be a secret. And so the things that you, you steal, you can't, be honest, you can't be honest, and so you can't share them with people. That's why it's, you know, like my wife wanted me to point out, except for Robin Hood. Right? Robin Hood apparently you know, stole from the rich, gave to the poor. But for the rest of the world, that's a myth. Right? You don't steal from the rich and then give it away. You, you steal and you keep it to yourself and you keep it a secret. So Paul's saying, he's saying, don't steal, but instead use your hands for honest work. And not, not so that you have something, which is 
kind of that American ethic, right? We say, you know, the work of our hands will make us rich, will make us have wealth. But he's saying, use your hands for honest work so that you can share. He goes on. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you know anybody like this that you never hear them say any corrupting talk? I don't know very many people like this, right? But, I mean, just, you know, eventually it seems like anybody that you're in a relationship with for very long, you know, if you're friends for five, ten, you know, Michael and I have known each other a long time, and, and you know, he, he has probably heard a couple of corrupting things come out of my mouth over the last 12, 15 years that we've been friends, right? Because it's just, it's sort of human nature that, that kind of devolves, right? But there are, I have a couple of people in my life, though, that I don't, one's named Carol Morris, and she is, I cannot, and they're all nodding their heads because they know, I, I've known her for like 10 years, and I've never heard her say a single unkind thing about anybody. I have heard her change the subject. I'll say that. Like, if somebody, somebody comes up, and she'll be like, this is strange weather we're having, isn't it? Right? Just like, because she just doesn't want to say anything hurtful. There have been more than one time over the past few years that I have been, felt, you know, kind of down, kind of discouraged, and... Uh, many times the thought has come to my head, and a few times I've gotten on the phone and I've called Carol just to say, how are you? Because I know that when I get on the phone with her, everything she says is going to be uplifting. Everything she says is going to be encouraging. Everything that she says is going to, and not just like sort of false compliments, but genuine love and care and concern. Because she's someone who wants to see me become the person that God wants me to be. And that's what this idea of not corrupting talk is. Now, there's one important phrase in the middle of this that I think is... Uh, really funny. It says, as fits the occasion. Right? As fits the occasion. And that's important because you need, you need to talk to people who can grieve while you're grieving. You need to talk to people who can, who can understand your frustration, understand your anger. Right? You don't want to talk to somebody who's just like um, uh, Mr. Brightside or Mrs. Brightside. Just like anything you tell them, they see that imaginary silver lining. Right? You tell them, uh, I lost my job you'll finally have time to write that novel. That's not what you want to hear. My dog died. You get to shop for a puppy. My house burned down. You'll finally get to build your dream home. I lost everything I own. That'll make moving easier. Right, there are some people just like everything, they see that silver lining, and that doesn't fit the occasion. It doesn't fit the occasion. To fit the occasion means, you know, if somebody's house burns down, you don't talk about their dream tome. You say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. How can I, how can I help you? Right? Not, people don't, you know, don't always need to hear the bright side right away. There's probably a time later on for the bright side, but it's, it's about the occasion. So it says, don't have corrupting talk, but, tell, you know, but speak to each other in a way that fills people, lifts them up with grace. And then verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This expression of grieve the Holy Spirit, it means um, to, like, to ignore or to, to fail to listen to or fail to follow. It says don't, don't listen to the Holy Spirit or hear the Holy Spirit and not heed the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to the Holy Spirit tell you what you're supposed to do and then just ignore it and live however you want. <laughs> and then this last little, little couple of verses, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And this, 
this all bitterness, wrath, anger. It's this sort of list of these sort of negative anger emotions. It's sometimes called a, a list of resentment um, to be put away. In fact, these last couple, clamor and slander, it, the, the words that are used, they, ex, they express volume, not just like um, um, what's being said. I don't know if y'all have ever known if this is y'all, but right, I don't, when I talk or when I get angry, I don't really have the ability to use tones. Any other men in here like this? Like, I can't have a, an angry tone. I just have an angry volume. Anybody? Yeah, okay, good. Husbands are looking at their, I mean, wives are looking at their husbands. Right, I'm not the only one, right? Um, yeah, I don't, like, Haley has these tones that she can use to express exactly how she's feeling, what she's thinking. I don't have that. I have, I have loud and soft. That's it when it comes to my like emotional range. And so what this verse is saying is that it, 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 when it gets to these words of clamor and slander, it means talking loudly, like shouting at each other, like controlling. Like it expresses this idea that not only are you not saying unkind things, not only are you not sort of feeling these unkind things, but even in the way that you're communicating with each other, be peaceful. Be peaceful not just in the words that you're saying. Be peaceful in the tone that you're using. Be peaceful in the volume that you're using. And the last thing here in verse 32, he really expresses kindness. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And this is, this is a definition of, of what it means to be kind as, as God is kind. That this is when the Spirit is active and, and living in you. This is what's going to be pouring out of you. This is the, this is the result of that life of kindness. And I want you to imagine if everyone in your life was like this. Can you, if you need to close your eyes, you can. Imagine if everyone in your life told the truth. Like there was nobody in your life that was deceptive or dishonest. You didn't have that sister that you couldn't believe. You didn't have that person at work that's always talking slanderous gossip. That everyone in your life spoke the truth all the time. That everyone in your life, when they got angry with you, they may have gotten, may get angry, but they don't sin. They don't let it disrupt the relationship. They deal with that anger immediately. What if everyone in your life You've trusted them with your possessions. You trust them. They, they would not steal from you. They would not want to gain dishonestly. If in your job you don't have to worry about them stealing a client from you, you don't have to worry about them making you look bad to your boss so that they get a promotion and you don't, you don't have to worry about any of that because they would not want to gain something dishonestly but instead want to be truthful, want to be honest with you and want to produce honest work from their hands so that they can share Imagine if, if everyone in your life spoke like Carol Morris, right? talked in such a way that everything they said built you up, but never tore you down, that everything they said was encouraging and that it filled you with grace. Imagine if everyone in your life followed God's will. If they did the things that God's will was pulling them to do. If they, if they rejected bitterness. If they rejected those loud conversations. If they were kind and tenderhearted and forgiving. What would, what would your world be like if everyone in your world was like that? I'll tell you something. If everyone in your world was like that, it'd be really easy for you to be like that too. If everyone in your world was telling the truth and being kind and being uplifting, it'd be very easy to follow suit. The problem for us is that everyone in our world is not that way. 
Problem for us is that not everybody that we're friends with or family with tells the truth. Not everyone's not a thief. Not everyone, you know, rejects slander and bitterness and malice. Not everyone conducts themselves the way that Paul says we should conduct ourselves. Not everyone is filled with the Spirit of God and is letting that Spirit of God flow out into kindness in their lives. Not everyone does. And if everyone in your life did, it'd be really easy. The problem is, is that is that there's a, that's this cycle of kindness, that if everyone around you flowed in the circle of kindness, it'd be easy for you to flow in kindness as well. That circle works backwards as well. And that if everyone in your life is filled with malice and bitterness and anger and greed and dishonesty and corruption and meanness, if everyone is hard-hearted, it's easy for you to follow that cycle. That cycle works both ways. It can work towards kindness or it can work towards resentment. It can go either way. You see, here's the thing that I, I hear a lot about kindness. Um, here's here. In fact, throughout this series, we've been talking, as we talk about the different fruit of the Spirit, we've talked about the root issues. We've said if, if there's a problem with your fruit, the problem exists in the root. And the root problem of kindness, here's what we want to say it is. In fact, when I told the story about somebody buying breakfast for my mom, some of you may have thought, I wish I had the finances to just, to just do that. To just every day buy breakfast for a stranger. Some of you may have thought that. But the problem isn't that you don't have the finances. Right? That's not the problem. The problem is not ability. It's desire. The problem is not ability. The problem is desire. Because if you don't have money, maybe you have the time. If you don't have time, maybe you do have the money. Right? It's not that I can't. Right? You could go to a soup kitchen and, and volunteer an hour of your time. You could go through your closet and go, go through you know, old junk that you never wear anymore, and you could give it to keep a homeless person warm this winter. The problem is not ability when it comes to kindness. We are able to be kind. We just don't want to. We just don't want to be kind. We don't want to be kind because we fall into the cycle not of kindness but the cycle of resentment. And I'll, I'm just going to tell you, I, um, I have my own sort of pet resentment. I don't know if that's a thing, like a pet peeve, but I have a pet resentment. I have some people in my life that I just, I just don't, I resent them. I don't like them. I have, I have some strong negative feelings toward them. Um, there was one guy that I went to school with from middle school through high school, and I, I, I don't like him. I never liked him. And, and I have a good reason for it. I, like you, for all the people that you dislike, for all the people that you resent, that you won't show kindness to, I have a reason for it. He's mean. He is just a mean dude. He's always been mean. In middle school, he was mean. In high school, he was mean. He was, he was wealthy. He was good-looking. He was popular. And if you weren't those things, he was mean to you. If he didn't think you were as smart as he was, he was mean to you. If he didn't think you were of his status, he was mean. And he was just mean to so many people. I couldn't stand him. And even though, um, you know, he, you know, we ran in some of the same circles, I was never kind to him. Even now, 15, 15 years later, I'm still not kind to that guy. In fact, I saw on uh, my wife's Facebook, because he asked to be my Facebook friend and I'm so unkind, I would not even accept his friend request. I've accepted friend requests from people that I really don't know. I don't know them at all. Like, maybe I met them once. I've known this dude for years, and I will not accept his friend request, right? 
But I saw on his Facebook, through, on my wife's page, that he lost his job and that he was starting this business and that if you could help him out and, and help him in, in this new endeavor. And my first thought was, I'm glad he lost his job. And my second thought was, I hope his business fails. I don't like him. I still don't like him. And here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that Luke chapter 6 verse 30, 35 says, The Lord is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And that I'm not. The problem is, is that I have taken my cue from him instead of from God. I've decided that I'm going to be as kind to him as he is to everyone else. But that's not what God says. In fact, verse 32 ends. It says, As God in Christ forgave you. That's where I'm supposed to take my cue. That's what's supposed to give me direction in my life for how I'm supposed to treat people, even ordinary, mean, ugly, nasty people. I'm still supposed to treat them as Christ would treat them. As Christ has treated me. That in the midst of my ungodliness, in the midst of my evil, that God forgave me. And that he has treated me with kindness. And my kindness is not supposed to be a response to the people in my life, but it's supposed to be a response from the God of my life. Amen. And this is, this is the root of unkindness. So we should take our cue from God, not from people that we resent. We don't take our cue from our parents. We don't take our cue from our brothers or our sisters or family members or friends. We take our cue from Jesus Christ. Earlier I asked you to imagine if everyone in your life acted in this Ephesians chapter 4 sort of way. If they were this kind of kindness, tender-hearted, no slander, no gossip. If everyone acted that way. But imagine if there was just one person in your life to act that way. How much of a difference would that make in your life if there was one person who is consistently behaving as Christ would behave in the world? Would you want to be around them more or less? Would you listen to their advice more or less? Would you follow their example more or less? Would they be gaining influence in their world or losing influence in their world? Now imagine that that person is you. Imagine that that you are the kindest person. Imagine that years from now, someone's going to stand in front of a group full of people and, and say, you know, that, you know, there are a lot of people who say mean things, but that Mackie Harvin has always been, he's always filled with grace in his conversation. He's always lifting me up. Imagine that, that you are, are the person that's talked about. Imagine what a difference it would make when you try to share the gospel with people if you lived this way. If they knew that everything you said was the truth. If they knew that everything that you have you gained honestly. If they knew that every time you talked you were going to lift them up. If they knew that your heart was tender and that your thoughts were kind. If you lived that way, it would change your world forever. Thank you for listening to Pathlight. I hope that this message has been a blessing to you and that you will be a blessing to others. 